In Season 3 of the Culture Critter Podcast, we're doing a deep dive into each of our 12 teams, or as we call them, flocks. In today's episode, we're talking with Lauren, the leader of our finance team. Their nickname is Scrooge McDuck's Bastards. At Gooder, we own our own company, which is awesome because we can do whatever we want. But the downside is we don't have deep pockets from investors. That's why, as you'll hear us talk about on this podcast, cash flow is king. When you put consistent attention on making more money and spending less, it leaves a ton of resources left over to invest in community and culture. One thing Lauren has taught me is the importance of having backup plans to your backup plans so that you're ready for any scenario. Let's talk to Lauren, y'all. This is Culture Gooder with Stephen Lease and Sean Tinney. Each episode this season, we're talking to a different flock leader of the Gooder team to give you a more in-depth look at how we status the quo challenge. Well, hey, Lauren, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's get things started with a few little lightning round questions. You ready? Ready. All right. Money or free time? This one was hard for me. Uh, we'll go free time, though. All right. How about amusement park or day at the beach? Day at the beach, for sure. I hate amusement parks. <laughs> wow. Double down. Form or function? Function. Pop or indie? Pop. And what's your spirit animal and why? A lion, because they're beautifully intimidating and protective. All right. Oh, excellent. All right, Lauren, so what's your two-minute version of your journey to Gooder? Like, what were you doing beforehand, and how did you hear about the brand? I spent my entire career leading up to Gooder working for various large public companies doing financial analysis work. And so it was pretty mundane. I was working desk jobs. No one wanted to do anything outside of work. It got pretty stressful. I didn't see any sort of path forward. And I really wanted to do something that I cared about. And I wanted to work for a company that I could get behind in terms of product. So huge runner and really found Gooder and it all kind of worked for me. You heard about Gooder before you applied for your role, right? I did, but it was not long before that. I was at a Nike 10K event in Culver City in early 2018. And a few of our friends were wearing these bright looking sunglasses. And I was super intrigued, never seen them before. And they told me that they were Gooders. And so looked Gooder up. The website was unlike anything I've ever seen before. You know, language was not typical of anything you see when I Google just normal companies. So I loved it. The colors were great. I had to know more. All right, Lauren. So can you briefly summarize your role for everybody? What's your lame title? What's your real title? And what are you up to? Yes. So I am the finance flock leader. My lame title is head of finance. And my real title is... Finance Flamingo, which is almost equally as lame. But first and foremost, <laughs> I ensure my team remains happy and challenged in their role. It's really critical to our success. And then I have the pleasure of working with all the other flock leaders to manage their budgets and make sure that they understand our financials. Nice. So what's your flock's lame name and what's your flock's real name? And then kind of at a high level... You know, like, what does your flock do? What are your values? What are your areas of focus? Our flock's lame name is, of course, finance. And 
Our real name is Scrooge McDuck's Bastards. It's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> named by our head legalizer, Ben, because, well, we're at the mercy of Scrooge, and we uh, run a tight ship. So at a high level, what we do is we collect money and act as the liaison for all other flocks so that they can spend all that money. We also try to make sure the company saves some money, you know, so we can remain profitable and continue to invest in fun things. Important. It is very, very important. Our flock values are financial stability and curiosity, which goes hand in hand with foresight. That could also be our flock value. But since we see how all the actions of each flock impacts our bottom line, we really need to ensure the company isn't operating in a volatile environment. So if we see a potential red flag, we need to be comfortable speaking up and we always need to be looking into the future to see how today's decisions impact tomorrow. Very cool. Do you have your five areas of focus off the top of your head? I do. First is cash flow. It's critical. Oh, always. <laughs> Second is accounting, making sure we're in compliance. And strategic planning and risk management are really our keys. And then collaboration with all the other flocks is a huge focus as well. All right, Sean, you want to get into this? Last one. So we're going to shoot for these questions. You call it. What do you want? All right, I'll take odds. All right. Three, two, one, shoot. Ah, damn. Oh, you suck. <laughs> you are a fucking loser. I am not, I am not <laughs> winning this game. <laughs> what is this? It's how we decide who starts the next line of questioning. I think the record's like maybe like 16 and four. It's not good. Yeah, that would be my best score, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll start us off. So Lauren, what's the most important consideration you take into account as the finance flock leader? Making sure we have enough working capital to sustain our business. And secondary to that is making sure other flock leaders have an understanding of our finances. You actually just recently did a share in front of the company of kind of like our cash flow and just kind of a transparent look at how we operate. Do you get a sense that just company-wide, and, and maybe this is a good thing, maybe this is all other brand thing, but that a lot of people at companies don't understand like how finances work and why this is so important? Oh, totally. But it's not their role to know. So it's understandable, but in general, most companies, depending on whether you're public or private, they really only see top line of revenue. You know, you latch onto that. Or if the company is saying that we're in trouble, you kind of just hear positive or negative and you don't really understand any of the details of where cash is coming from, where it's going, why we need to have certain controls and protocols in place. Yeah. And there's kind of two ways to look at the finances of a business from a profit standpoint, right? So, well, you can either make more money or the one thing that people actually don't really, I think, honor as much as, or you could just spend a lot less money. And, <laughs> yes. and, and seriously, and both, and they're kind of the same, right? Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. <laughs> and from a finance perspective, we're always saying we'll spend less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sure. it's an easy balance. It's hard explaining finances at a fifth grade level to others when you're so 
involved in the weeds day to day and it's just so natural. Uh, it's definitely challenging to figure out how to portray a simplistic overview of our financials. Right. You uh, explain something you think is simple, get a bunch of glossed over eyes and go, all right, I should probably... Always, (laughs) which is why charts are the way to go. But even then, you know, word choices are critical. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, Lauren, so how many people are on your team and what is each person in charge of? There are three of us on our team. Myself, responsible for all things budgeting and cash flow. Then we have Mona, who's our financial controller, and she handles all of our accounting operations. And then we have Alexia, who handles all of our accounts receivables and payables, and really just any other ad hoc financial analysis that we need help with. And hopefully later this year, we will get some additional accounting help as we move towards NetSuite go live. There's just more volume with increased business means more people we need. Yeah. Actually, to that point, could you kind of speed that for just a high level? Because I think that it's a really interesting thing. Like, like we're a business who does a lot of transactions and the importance to have multiple eyeballs looking at every transaction that we do. It's a lot of fucking work, right? Oh, totally. And we currently use QuickBooks right now, which is wonderful and it's sustained our business and our needs up until now. But QuickBooks is designed to automate a lot of transactions and just be a simple solution for small businesses. And as we grow, we need more eyes on all the transactions that are hitting our accounting system and what used to work for one person just is no longer supporting our needs. So definitely need more hands-on, especially even a great example is as we increase our key account channel or global channel, when we send invoices, that volume's increasing and that's more time-consuming. So definitely need more help. For sure. So what's the process for forecasting budgets and cash flow at Gooder? So we try to operate on a rolling 12 timeline that's pretty detailed and planned out. You know, our business changes quite frequently and drastically, so it's a very fluid process. But then we also try to maintain a longer range forecast that looks past a year in order to try to understand larger initiatives. And so that hasn't been a huge focus but we are definitely getting to a point where we're trying to hone in on the longer range planning. And then we really just try to align that to the cash flow forecast, accounting for any timing differences, mostly with inventory buys because our cogs and the timing of inventory purchases never align. Yeah. And just so everybody understands, we project revenue 12 months in advance. So if it's June right now, we are projecting... May of next year, so that we're always rolling that forward. And then whatever our revenue is, we have to buy a certain amount of product for that revenue, which we need to buy, what, six months in advance? Yes. And and so you can understand how this works. Project out here, have to buy six months in advance, so we need enough cash to support all of that, plus salaries and advertising and, you know, happy hours. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so six months, 12 months, there's a lot of numbers going out there, but how far ahead can we reasonably project our cash flow? And how do you think about looking out that way? Just about three months with any accuracy, which is pretty typical, I would say, of any company. Our sales and spending needs fluctuate quite rapidly, as I had mentioned. So definitely makes forecasting quite difficult. We kind of have a snapshot a full year, but we're not really confident that until three months. True. And then you just throw in COVID and that changes everything. <laughs> Turn the snow globe upside down. <laughs> How do you approach keeping all the different flocks at good or uh, on budget? Through an open mind and patience. It's <laughs> <laughs> what I've decided. In general, the flocks are really good about staying on budget. We're still working on marrying the timing of actual spend to when they budget. So that's our biggest challenge, but we're getting better yeah, I saw the what you did yesterday. I think all but one flock was uh, under budget. So yes. uh, we'll we'll take that to win as a win. Yes, that sounds like a huge win. <laughs> so how do you handle extra expenses that weren't planned for? Oh, SDL gets a slush fund every month. So <laughs> that sounds like a plan. <laughs> he gets a predetermined percentage of sales to spend on anything that pops up, and it gets used every single month. Well, we have, we have a financial request form, right? That's like, hey, if it's not in the budget, it's a list of questions like it's just high level. Like, what is this? What is it for? Um, blah, 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 blah. And then we can kind of decide. Yes. Yeah, so the financial request form is really how I track any miscellaneous one-offs that pop up or even anything that was in the budget and changed significantly from either a dollar perspective or timing. It's just really critical. We kind of operate in quarters right now. Like I said, with cash flow, looking three months at a time. If you wanted to spend something in February and now you need to spend it in November, probably fine, but a financial request form could be really helpful just to have documentation as well for my team to track those changes. Imagine you spend a lot of time tracking things down and like playing detective to figure out if something was planned or not or where it landed, right? Too much time, probably. <laughs> yeah. But it's a collaborative effort with my team. Mona, Lexi, and I, we do a pretty good job playing detective. <laughs> so Lauren, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but what systems have we been using or programs? And then what are we moving to from a financial standpoint? Yes. For all of the accounting, we use QuickBooks, the online version, and that no longer sustains our business. We can't really run analysis the way that we need to. And we are moving to NetSuite, which will be amazing. Their planning and budgeting tool within Excel is kind of what I'm most excited for. Currently, we accommodate everyone's desire to use Google Sheets, but it's limiting in terms of what you can analyze and save. And so those tools will really elevate our ability to make decisions in the future. Awesome. So what do you think, looking at what we invest in, what are the top things that Gooder likes to spend money on? Anything related to culture, I would say. Well, that seems right. <laughs> kind of important. For sure. I mean, People are super important. 
it's funny that you say that. I'm like, I'm like, huh, what do we invest in? It's like, oh, for sure we invest in people and a lot of culture-related initiatives. It's got to be at the top other than, probably other than COGS. Yes. I struggled trying to get this question, but really it all boils down to culture. Mm-hmm. So even like the lagoon, the experience, all that. Yes. Do you think that's different than other companies? Yes. I don't think many companies take the time to invest in furthering their employees development i got you development yes yeah (laughs) thank you and so a lot of employees are just thrown to the wayside whereas good or we don't we really take time to invest in our people and ask what they want what makes them happy what will help them grow so i think that's cool yeah we have somebody on this podcast that's a chief relationship officer which is like a perfect example of that. Yes. So Lauren, what are some of the best examples of purchases we've made that are goodery? And I, let's just go with like absurd. This is pretty fun to go back through and come up with some examples. The first one that I came up with was the claw machine. <laughs> yeah. That one, was that for Boston Marathon? Yeah, yeah, for the Boston Marathon pop-up, like a gooder claw machine that you can like put a coin in and like try and get a prize. I would consider that very goodery. The Tiki Hut of event booth that's very goodery yep and the last one that i came up with was the laser etching machine which was actually really cool yeah yeah for sure i think other random things is if you are a gooder and you get a tattoo of carla flamingo you can expense it so uh <laughs> that's that's, True. that's for sure on the list and then the new cabana on abby kenny is probably of the most expensive goodery thing all in we've done. Definitely. <laughs> we also have a Basset Hound adoption program, yeah? We but do. I fund that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funded for me personally, so. That checks out. Awesome. <laughs> Good clarification, Stephen. Yeah. All right, so what are things that Gooder deems financially necessary that other companies probably don't? I would say the predetermined sunglass allowance for employees, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Some freebies to complement any product launches. We like to do that a lot. It's a little fun thing. Catered lunches for the office and monthly allowances for team connection. And then expensing Ubers and Lyfts for company events is also something that we find necessary that other companies definitely do not do. Right. Safety first. You get 72 pairs of sunglasses a year? What is that, six a month? And you, you usually can probably get more. You just have to ask. If you drive drunk at Gooder, you just get fired. So that's why we let everybody expense Ubers and Lyfts. Awesome. All right. So can you talk about how we responded to COVID, removing, removing budget items, adding budget items, the whole new world order? Sure. First you panic. And then <laughs> one, once you calm down from that. No, my, my personality is pretty cool and calm under stress. So I think first with the help of Ben, we categorized all expenses as either critical, important, or nice to have. So every single company expense category we placed into one of those buckets, which really helped us get a baseline of how we wanted to proceed. So once we had that in place, Stephen, you and I basically went through the entire budget and cut everything that wasn't critical. And then we took a look at payroll and created tiers and kind of said, 
if sales dip to X, then we would need to cut this amount of heads in order to continue operations. And we did that basically for, we created three or four contingency budgets. I believe we were up to like contingency plans, A, B, C, D, E. F. Yeah, at least F. Yeah, I think maybe more. It was quite elaborate. It was very much, it was, we had it lined up of, hey, at here we do this, at here we do this, and then presented it to the company. We did spend a lot of time trying to cover our butts in case something really bad happened because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And like the very last contingency plan was basically running the entire company with every flock leader and a handful of other people. This is like nuclear option. It's like, all right, everybody's taking a pay cut and we're doing this. But we went into COVID in a pretty healthy position. We try to really maintain a healthy cash flow. So it turned out to be all right. Here we are. Yeah. And I think the one thing that we haven't talked about, but what I've talked about before in the podcast is we own the company. And so we don't have VC money. And so there's awesome things to that because we can kind of do whatever we want. But the bad side is, is we never took, you know, hundreds of million dollars worth of investment. So we don't have that. So that's why cash flow is so important to us. For sure. Yeah. And the weird thing about a tough situation like that is even though you don't necessarily like your options, they are so limited that it kind of feels good to just have them and be like, okay, if this happens, we do that. And you don't have to feel bad about it because like, well, this is our only choice. <laughs> for sure. I remember Laura and I sat in my office for like two weeks and it was actually kind of calming because it was like, oh, I mean, after you get over the initial like, oh, fuck, you're like, I mean, these are pretty easy decisions to make because there are no other options. Yes. And I agree, Sean, it's actually a good place to be in in that mindset of like, there's one path forward and this is it. <laughs> Not that I would wish anyone to discover this, but rock bottom is actually a pretty firm foundation to stand on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Right. All right, Lauren. So how do we approach charitable giving when we have enough to share? It varies. I would say we're part of 1% for the planet. So each year we get to choose organizations that we believe fit our beliefs and give a portion of our sales to that. So there are a few that we've supported since the inception of Gooders. Those just continue to receive our support regularly. And for the rest of our funds, it sort of depends if there's anything critical happening in the world that affects the environment. We tend to look towards that. For example, we gifted money to the Australian wildfires in 2020 because that was hugely impacting many people and wildlife we also like to support local charities when we can, and that happens when employees raise awareness for a cause they think we should support. So if there is overwhelming support, then we definitely accommodate that. Yeah. 1% for the planet means we have to give 1% of our top-line revenue to these things, and it's kind of a nice way to hold ourselves accountable. And then obviously, we've expanded far, far beyond that. It's really cool that we are in a place that we are actually able to support so many cool causes. Yes. I think it's truly remarkable that Gooder is as generous as we are. I, f I find most companies are are not. <laughs> They're focused on this quarter's profitability, but to have a mindset of abundance and really just, you know, don't keep your good luck to yourself, I think is very unique and something that I'm personally very proud of. And we try to get the company involved as much as possible in having a say in where we put our funds, which I think is really cool. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, Lauren, let's land this plane with some advice for everybody, huh? Okay. All right. So first question is probably the toughest. What, what do you think is your biggest fuck up or one thing that you wish you would have done differently? At Gooder, it probably has to be our ERP initiative moving to NetSuite. Uh, I did a lot of the heavy lifting up front in terms of researching. I thought our business was simple. Turns out I was very incorrect. It is a hard transition moving into an ERP system. That checks out. Looking back, how would you approach that differently, you think? Taking more time to hire consultants who could take it and run with it. Or start it a year earlier. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things. So many things. (laughs) It always takes longer, costs more, it's more complex, all that stuff. This is a great learning. It's great learning. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so how about the biggest shift you've made since taking over the finance flock? I'd say letting go of the idea that I should do it all. Basically, delegating work that complements my team's strengths and trusting their expertise is something that I've really leaned into and it's really paying off dividends. That's great to hear. That's something to be proud of for sure, but what do you think you're most proud of? I went personal with this one and I had to say being a mom. (laughs) <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, just so everybody knows, Lauren is just back from leave, from maternity leave. So I'm amazed that she's able to recall all this with such clarity. <laughs> it's go, not Lauren. easy. <laughs> yeah, no, you're doing your best. And then what are three cheat codes for anyone in the finance area? I would say get a variety of experience, have working knowledge of Excel, and be willing to ask tough questions. Mm-hmm. That'll take you a long way. Yeah, that's great. All three of those for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe and send us your questions at gooder.com slash culture. Until next time, be excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, which we're sure you did, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review that minute and a half of your time. It really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your delivery person who's probably listening to some other shitty podcast right now. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culture gooder and Steven at Steven Lease. That's Steven with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team, so many thanks to the Culture Gooder team and also everyone else at Gooder, really without whom there obviously would be nothing to even podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. See you next time.